Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over and start using it now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, guys. Welcome back. EYL yeah. International. We back. Edition. Yes. We, yes. Back, we back north. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, that's a fact. Uh, Game of Thrones, what did they say? Uh, the North. What they the call? North. We, the North. Yeah, we, we, the, 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 we say... We are the north. That's yeah. that's that's a whole city slang now. Yeah. So if if you don't, yeah, we, we the north is the rapper's version of the we the north. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The north, the north remembers and all that. Yeah. <laughs> the north. Uh, north. north. Ned Stark. Ned Stark. Right. With yeah. The north. Ned. Yeah. And, and John Snow, the bastard child. John Snow. Shout out to John Snow. So yeah, earn your leisure. The good thing about earn your leisure is that, you know, we it started in choice. Basement, choice living room. We still here. Yeah, right outside, <laughs> right, right outside of New York City. Shout out to Greenberg, and um, now we we reached all over the world. It's crazy what yeah. you can do with an iPhone, and um, you know we have a huge listenership not only in America, but pretty much everywhere. And our second biggest market outside of the United States is Canada, specifically Toronto, the great city of Toronto. That's a fact. So you know we made it an initiative this year to try to do more content relative relative to people in other markets mm -hmm. and toronto is, is number one on our list we got a dope event planned for toronto whenever this quarantine lets i up. can't wait 
you got to pull up to that if you're in town. <laughs> okay. So um, I guess today was just like a no-brainer. Um, he actually commented on my post, and I realized that he was following me, and I was like, oh, this is dope. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, are you interested in coming on the podcast? He's like, yeah, for sure. Let's set it up. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, we got it We got it set up. So if you are a fan of music, like so yeah, me music, and Troy, period. <laughs> me and Troy, y'all, you definitely know this gentleman's name. So Director X is his professional name, but his birth name is Julian Christian Lutz. And he used to previously before Direct X, it was Little X. Mm -hmm. And I mean, resume just reads like a who's who. He's worked with everybody from Usher, Jay Z, Sean Paul, Nelly Furtado, Justin Bieber, Kanye, Drake, Nicki Minaj, T.I. He did um, most recently Drake and Future's Life is Good video. Love that video. He did um, French Montana's famous video, Drake and Rihanna. I was work, about to say, you left Rihanna work. out of that? He did Rihanna's first video, Umbrella? Prime the Replay. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not us to get. Um, Drake, Hotline Bling. That was, that's classic material. That's my, one of my son's favorite videos um, of all time. Drake started from the bottom. We yeah. can go on. Yeah, a lot. Hell yeah, effing right is, I mean. Yeah, the list goes it's on. 20 years, it's 20 plus years of music videos. It's a lot. But not only music videos, he also has three movies under his belt, um, Across the Line, On Point, and Superfly. Yeah, shout out to Lover. Tawan love that movie. Tawan loves that movie. That's his favorite That's his favorite movie. Uh, across the line and uh, Superfly, you know what I'm saying? Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. And then also, you um helped out on one of our favorite all time classic, movies, Belly. <laughs> classic. Belly. Yes. yes, that's a classic. That's a classic for sure. So, yeah, um, you know, this is gonna be a dope conversation. We're gonna cover a variety of different topics that we haven't covered before, as far as yeah. um, you know, being a director and being on the other side of the camera, capturing moments and capturing. Um, musicians and talent and actors and things of that yeah. nature. A lot of times people think they can only make a living in entertainment on one side, yeah. being an entertainer, but there's other sides to the it. The person and that's capturing it. Being a director is actually the most important thing. Yeah. Like if you're not capturing that moment, it never happened. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think what, what what is magical about this story is like a lot of people think they have to be formally trained, but you're gonna learn today. Like, yo, sometimes some things come natural to you and uh, you just gotta go with God's bless you with. Yeah, so before we start, um, Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, for sure. So let's get right into it. So like I said, I mean, it's, it's crazy because one of my friends, shout out to Greg Barnett, another EYL alumni. He hit me up like a couple weeks ago, like, are y'all planning to have any directors on, any movie directors, anything like that? I'm like, it's funny you say that. I actually just spoke. <laughs> so so it, I'm, I'm interested to know because there's, there's a professional, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a professional path to get into being a director. And then there is the alternative path. So the, the, the professional path is like going to college. Like you can go yeah, to study and film, film school and all yeah. of that. And then the other alternative path is networking, um, you know, working your way up, internships. And I guess they kind of both combine. But we see a lot of, especially in our culture, like, you know, Jim Jones used to direct videos. Did you know that? Yeah, for the yeah, yeah. So um, what was your path into becoming one of the, the greatest um, directors in hip hop history? Like how did how did you go from living in Toronto, Canada. Brampton to, to be exact. Being, you know, being world, world known. Uh, B-Town. Yeah, <laughs> how'd that happen? So doing logos, so I started doing flyers, and then I started doing logos. I'd be around, I was nowhere around the city. I went everywhere. This is when hip-hop, everyone had a backpack. So my backpack was filled with art, right? I'd have my stuff. I'd go to a party. I'd find a party promoter. I'd say, who does your flyers? And my line was, who does your flyers? He sucks. I'm better. I'm like, um... <laughs> Didn't know who I'd never seen it said that I didn't know if I even saw it, but yeah, it's just a competition. So um 
that's not me going down the path of I'm going to be a graphic designer. I'm going to be a graphic designer. So there's a part of this where I tell people, especially young people, follow your interests. Well, I was interested in drawing, and then I was interested in hip-hop, and then hip-hop and drawing got me drawing the flyers for hip-hop parties, right? And then I wanted to make those flyers better, so then I started getting into computer programs so I could print out. So now I'm doing graphic design work. I'm doing stuff, and then I was able to get that program. You know, as computers got more and more, and my father worked at Toshiba, so I was, eventually I think I got the program. Somehow I started working learning the program so i used to have to go to friends homes to use it at first but i have to travel very far to use this program but uh corel draw was the program but i began i learned graphic design the, the basics of how you work something like that i'm still like 15 16. then um uh i move out of my home real young and i'm at my i'm living in my friend's basement studio so they're all there making hip-hop they want to be rappers i start writing some rhymes for them I go to a poetry reading with a friend of mine that reads poetry, and at the end, say, if anyone wants to come up, come up. I go up and read a rhyme I wrote for my friend. They say, hey, I like that thing you wrote. Come to another one. So now I'm a graphic designing, graphic designer poetry guy. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to do, I, mean, I mean, and this is, again, follow your interests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everything needs to be a big, and I feel like the pressure now is everything is a master plan for success. No one's just saying, do you like to sing? Then fucking sing. Do you like to draw and draw? Do you like to paint? Paint. Who gives a fuck if you're going to be a, just like there's this there's this undercurrent of our culture that if you're not if you're doing something to not be the most successful person in the world, then what are you doing? Right. You're rapping just to rap. You're not rapping. No, man. I'm just like the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Or, you know, I'm not bad. Like I doesn't mean I'm trying to you know maybe I'll do a show and like it's whatever whatever comes from do what's interest you, right? So. I'm probably 17 now. I'm doing graphic design and art, and I think I'm going to be a graphic designer when I grow up. I should. Before that, when I was in when I was a, in junior high, in the first year of high school, I thought I was going to be a comic book artist. So my comic, I was comic books, hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I just keep. Um, but it's always evolving. It's always art and expression. So uh, there is a show up here called Rap City. This is before you guys had Rap City. Oh, okay. And that was our video channel up here. And they do a poetry episode. So I come in, a bunch of us are reading poems, and I read a poem. And as they're doing the show, and I'm looking around the studio, and I, I say to the producer, hey, there's a guy out here named Big C. All right, Big C now in the music industry, but Big C was an intern at Much Music. He was like, and he was on the scene and always around, and he was working, we thought he was working at Much Music, but now he's a unit assistant, right? So he's doing internship, but we didn't know that. So everyone thought Big C was rich because he went to go inside of much <laughs> <laughs> so like so like for us much music in my mind is like what trl was for y'all for us it was mtv, MTV so it was mtv yeah MTV, much music, MTV. okay and okay. this is rap the rap city so i'm looking around i go yo and i knew c had got a job at bmg he had stepped up in the world but what happened to big c's job she goes oh no one's doing that i, mean, I want i want to do it she goes, okay next thing i know i'm the intern at much music i'm carrying lights and shit i'm you know I'm the internet much music. I'm doing Rap City, another show called Soul in the City, all that. So now while I'm there, I look at the cameras and the lights and say, hey, this is interesting. This is creative. Maybe I'll get into like TV or film. And at the same time, I'm also looking at music videos because this was just when Hype Williams was showing up. Mm-hmm. So when I go, when I would be at home watching Rap City, there'd be these certain videos just didn't look like it, just looked better, felt 
special. Wu Tang can't be so simple. Yeah. Uh, flavoring or remix. Classic. Who's up? Classic. Who's this guy? Yeah. And then, um, so, uh, Vibe Magazine does a does a little one pager on him. So at this time, so now I'm doing logos, and my school project. What I decided when I get decided I want to be a director, and I'm watching Hype work. I go to school and I make my um, I do my final year uh, a video. I make a music video, so I have my contacts. So I take one of my poems that I did with a friend, and we make a video about it, right? And it's it's actually a story about you know this kid getting shot at school because they're you know people are talking shit and whatever. So the misunderstanding of violence, and. Uh, so now I got, so see how it all comes together. I got my poem, I got my artistic sense, I got the much music internship. So I'm able to, I shoot the performance with one of their ENG cameras, one of the cameras they shoot the news with, mm. right? So I have a higher quality performance. I shoot the narrative with a handy cam. And then every night for about a week or two, I would go in, I much music, this is before heavy security. They thought I still worked there, even though my internship was done. I would go in after hours and work on the machine and put together my head. So your edit, I would do it by hand, right? So mm -hmm. I'd be watching it, I'd do the lyric, and I'd write out, and I was so, I did down to the frame, the in mark and the out mark, so editors understand the insanity of what this is for a full three minute and 50 second piece. Zero, zero, one, dash, oh, two, dash, one, four, dash. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. Zero, one, you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. All it takes, because I, I, I learned my lesson from doing an edit unprepared. I did one of my projects, in my internship, this editor who was going to help me edit this project, I did with him, and I just walked in with tapes, and he didn't have time, and we just kind of did nothing. So this time, I walked in with paper. Yeah. Two weeks preparing it, going through the edit session, handed the paper, we assemble it. I got, and this is back in the days, there was no, there was no youth singing a song and then making a music video where you're lip syncing it. That was impossible. Unless you have, unless you have professional equipment, that could not happen. Period, end of story. If you were going to edit something together, you had your two VHS tapes and you played one and you get wired in the other and you, you pause it and like, you know what I mean? You do this crude kind of stuff. But now, I, my thing with the much music people, I got slow motion, I got dissolves, I'm lip syncing shit. We all take for granted shit we can do on our phone. I needed a full on multi million dollar edit bay and a multi million dollar TV station to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and so you, you taught yourself all these skills? No, I'm in there with the editor. Oh, okay. I'm just some intern. They wouldn't even let me breathe in that room without someone in there to look over me. Okay. Right. So I'm in there with an the editor, but I made these relationships. So I had a, I had my performance shot had a better quality because I made a relationship with the cameraman. I had an edit that was a professional edit because I made a relationship with the editor. But now I got this piece. So I got this videotape. At the same time, I was also I, I printed up, screen printed a bunch of T-shirts with some of my art, <clears throat> and um, of course I had a kind of like a four-page portfolio of my logos and my flyers and my, just the things I draw. So I discover Hype Williams. I see the article in Vibe Magazine. I write Vibe Magazine. I write Mimi, Mimi Velvet. You all know Mimi Velvet? Nah. Nah, I don't know. Mimi, she, uh, she, she manages Pharrell. She's one of these uh, producers of Hidden Figures. Okay. Right? Just, so again, I tell these kids, people you meet, this is over 20 years ago. People you meet in the game, you're gonna know. A good deal of people you rubbing shoulders with right now, you will keep on rubbing shoulders with for 20, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, shit, look at Andre Harrell and Russell Simmons. How long have they been friends? 34 years. 
Yeah. yeah, rest in peace. It's all about it's all about all about relationships. Exactly, that's how this goes. So now, um, I have the I have a, a poetry video edited professionally. It looks like hey, this looks like some kid that's got some talent. I got a T-shirt with a screen printed art of mine. I got a little package of my art, and I write a letter. Hey, I want to you know I'm want to intern for Hype Williams. How do I get a hold? Right, send this whole package. Don't hear back. Don't hear back. So then I finally just call because the number is in there. So I call Vibe Magazine and I say, and they, I, I get meetings. Okay, if I want to get something to Hype Williams, who should I send it to? I knew I was supposed to know back then. I shouldn't ask for Hype Williams now. <laughs> so she gave me like a, a, a Kilo Turner and phone number to their office and hung up on me. Not rudely, but that was enough. I'm lucky I got my little. So now I got the numbers of the office and the person. Now I'm calling the office. I send them the package. And I actually sent it to another friend of mine who was working for a director. I can't even remember his name. And, and she never, I didn't know it, but she didn't send him mine. She didn't show him mine. So again, don't, this, this, when you're young, you expect something from your friends. Don't, don't, don't expect shit from anybody, but don't expect shit from your friends. Don't think that the people you work with are your friends and therefore should be doing the things you think your friends should do for you. Stop all that shit right now. Save yourself the headaches. Save yourself the heartaches. If people are cool with you, because guess what? People who see you, you don't have to be a friend who fucking say, hey, you guys have a kid, come here. That, that's not what people don't do that because they want to be your friend. They do that because, ah, kid, I like you. Come work over here. You can help me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my friend doesn't even, which is a good thing. Right? If I'm learning under that guy, who knows where I'm right? So like I said, I can't even remember his name. Not a disrespect, but I can't. <laughs> so Forever remain um, nameless. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's a good lesson in friendship. The girl's incredible. She's good for, but you can't, don't expect your friends to also somehow be your, I don't know what, be your parent, be your business manager. I don't know what the fuck, but they're your friends. Let that be. In my crew, we have a thing like you're fired, see you at the barbecue. You're really friends. Like that. Job, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that didn't work out, but you know, barbecue at three. I love you. Is that real? <laughs> can, your, can your friendship survive that? So anyway, um, now I got the package. I sent it to Hype. I'm calling him. I'm calling him. I'm calling him. And the universe is good. Around that time, I had a summer job with Cardinal Official. He had organized this, like, they had a... Toronto had Legend. A, a, uh, yeah. We had, we had this uh, summer. We had a riot out here. So that you... So they gave us... There, there's, like, these jobs in the arts. And great lesson in investing in the arts. You might hear like, we're going to pay a bunch of black kids to make music and all that kind of stuff. And you say, what the fuck? We're going to waste the money. And no, no, no. Damn near 90% of those kids, a good kids ended up in the entertainment business, working, producing. I'm a director. I became a director. I left town. I came back. I brought millions of dollars to the city. Cardinal put the city on the map. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So investing in the arts and investing into your children is a good idea. They go on to do this work. So I was in a program like that, and Cardinal organized a trip to New York. So the New York trip was, you know, we'd go see record labels, and I get out, I'm on my hustle. I'm on my hustle. I got my backpack full of work. So we're like, hey, we're going to go see, you know, Loud Records. And we'd be walking and talking to someone, I'd say, hey, man, can I show you something? Yeah, sure. And I'd show him my video. Can I show you something? I'd show, I'd show it. If I, if I saw a moment, I'd show you something. 
and I'm always surprised that in the years since everyone could have a reel on their phone, there's maybe, I can think of two kids who came up to me and said, look at this on my phone. And one of them was just a few months ago, and one before, one before that was years ago. You know what I'm saying? Now, I sometimes don't like to put kids on the game because if you weren't doing this, and now you heard me do it, now you're going to, like, <laughs> some, of this in, some of this should be in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, you've got you to have to work on yourself and work on your own, like, really, if you got the hustle to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but either way, I would walk in these offices. I have my tape. I have my backpack. I have everything on me at all times. I could make you a party flyer on the spot. Showing people my work, doing the thing. But now I'm also in New York. I'm calling up Hype's office. Have you looked at it? Have you looked at it? Have you looked at it? And then one day I call and they say, we don't even know. We don't want. Because they say, not yet, not yet. Whenever I call, they say, not yet, not yet. So, okay, well, you got it. You haven't watched. And one day I call. They're like, we, we don't know who you We don't What? what? Who? What? <laughs> so we don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? Oh, cool. So I call up another. Hey, what's the address there? And you got to give me the address. Goes, what? What's up? <laughs> It's too late. It's too late. Yeah. That's what somebody hit and see my tape. Yeah, where's the tape? Where's the shirt? Where's all that shit? Give it back. I'm in the. So, hey, you got, again, man, go with this. Go with your young energy. You're too young to know your mistakes. You just fly and do shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I go to the office, there's one person in the office, I go, you're watching this. Someone's watching this. I'll go fuck. So it's like, the reception is at the desk, she's the only one there, like, yo, you're, you're watching, I don't give, this is it. Yeah, the dude, the dude there, yeah, he's the only one in the office, you're watching this. Someone's watching this. <laughs> Nah, that's a fact. I mean, that's how, that's the kind of energy that you gotta have. Like, yo, it's not you can't take you can't take no for an answer. Yeah, you take pride in what you did. I mean, artists want people to see their art. Yeah, you look. So he looks at it in slow motion and dissolves and tells you, "The fuck is this? You should wait a minute. Chelsea's coming back. Someone, someone, you need to show the producer." So Chelsea shows up and again. Chelsea, I just worked with Chelsea the other day because she's working um, in Atlanta with Tyler Perry. Now. People you know from you yeah, know, thirty from years from the beginning, yeah. yeah. And now they all all over the world doing amazing all things. All over the world, and so, hey, hit me up. Hey, X, you got a minute? I need you. Like these are relations. This is all important. Chelsea looks at it, and I say to her, I just I know I'm good enough to work for free. Powerful. Mm, that's powerful. powerful. Yeah, now nah, I don't want that powerful. to go. People say, say I'm not because a lot of times people don't want to do that either. They don't want to right out the gate. They want to get compensated. And it's nothing wrong being compensated, but right. sometimes it's like you have to do internships. Sometimes you have to not get compensated at first yeah. so you can get compensated on the back end. And you took it to another level. You said, I'm good enough to work for free. Like, I, I'm going to work for free and I'm good enough to do it. Let yeah. me in. Let me in the door. What's your excuse? Yeah. Like, yeah, you are. Okay, show up. Uh, so she said, come back in a month. I come back to Toronto and it's like I'm in a small town. Everybody, yo, bro, you know, all the time it's like, you know, eh? Eh? I'm like, I've now we gotta put this in context because people don't, they they think Toronto is this amazing and it is an amazing place but but this is prior to this the Drake and the OVO movement in the weekend yeah. way this prior to this way before right right and we said we said Carnell but people don't even know who that is so Carnell Fisher yeah. it was a big deal. Trying to make music, 
things going on, a little little slump, but is still a pipe dream. Still, still, it's still rough. But either way, I come back and it's just, it's, I'm just like, I gotta go. It doesn't feel like anyone's doing anything. You just you know when you get that small town, yeah, I gotta go. So uh, I leave two weeks early. I come back to New York, and Chelsea, the day I walk, see how God is, and how much you have to trust your instincts. The day I walk in the office was the day Chelsea had quit. Mm-hmm. So the executive producer, Akila, looks at me, and she sits down and goes, I don't know who you are or what this is. I don't know what's going on. She goes, hey, I guess that he's supposed to be an intern. What? Is it, right? So I just, I did a George Costanza. I just showed up the next day. <laughs> With my time card. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beauty of black, small black business is... <laughs> Yeah, turn the knob, antennas, all that. Yes, you get ABC, CBS in the kitchen, so like uncomfortable. <laughs> so there's no, there's no getting lost in TV. There's no getting lost in technology. I touched their computer once, and like you know, I'm doing all this stuff. They don't want to do. My my mother's best friend. She's like, yo, don't ever touch the computer again because I couldn't. <laughs> so they don't want me on the computer. They don't want me watching the TV. There's just you can sleep here. I'm in a little room. Also, make your guest room a little uncomfortable. Don't make lavish guest rooms when you when young hip hop boys, because your homeboys are gonna think that's their room. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm staying in an uncomfortable guest bedroom, and nothing to do when I get home. So I just spent all my time in the office, and then I look around the office and say, "Yo, your tapes are gonna be okay. Go get again the stacking of knowledge." I was an intern at Much Music, a national TV station. They had a tape library system. Um, like an old school one, like when you go to the old school library, go to things. I, but uh, Big Dog, that was the name of the company, Big Dog Film. At Big Dog, the tapes are all in a box in the corner. And there's a go find the Wu Tang video. You just go searching like a fucking scavenger hunt. <laughs> spend all this time. And then uh, they came in the office one day, and there was suddenly the, all the tapes were on shelves with stickers on them. And, uh, and I had a little thing. Well, if you're looking for a, a tape now, what you do is you look up, and then this card has the code. So a DigiBeta is a CLE. A half inch is a three-quarter tape. Is that. So I had all the codes in the building. Who the fuck is this kid? They go, they leave and come back, and all the furniture would be rearranged. Because the way they used to have it is that they, the door would open, and people would go in, but the desk was here. So here's the door, and here's the desk. And people would just walk by the desk. So one day they came, and the desk was here. And here's the door. So now you walked in and met a receptionist. And there's chairs. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was constantly, do, constantly doing shit like this. I didn't ask anybody. They would just come in and some new shit had happened to the office. But it was better. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So in this now, I begin. then I meet hype. And I'm always drawn. And I'm always doing And they see my drawings. And then eventually, I'm getting frustrated. I'm PAing. You know, I'm PAing on sets, and then they say, we want no more interns. Because at the same time, if I was with Hype until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning working on something, I'm not showing up at 10. I was with Hype. He's the boss. Yeah. How, how was that first interaction when you when you finally met him? 
Like you have been trying to get them to see a team. Let me get some because people might not know who Hype William is because we got a lot of young people that listen to this. That's true. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, nah, this generation is different. Hype Hype Williams is is like I guess you could call him the Godfather of the million dollar budget videos. Like uh, the once upon a time. Music vi- music videos are still important, but music videos were very, well, very extremely well, important everything. in the in the nineties and the early two thousands. And Hype Williams was he was it. He was, he was like, the go to guy. Yeah, he was the go to guy for any of those bad boy videos, Nas, Jay Jay Z. He was the first one that the, the average hip hop person said there's a director. You know. Yep. A director's name. Yeah. And he, was, and he had a great hip hop name, Hype Williams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He was the first one. And Before he, that, no one direct, there weren't even directors. Like, videos, like the Spike Lee of music videos. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Spike like Lee. when you saw a Spike Lee joint, you knew it, it was Spike Lee. Yeah. When you saw a Hype Williams video, you knew it was it because it looked different. Not, it looked like nothing else. It was high production. It was, it was a movie. I remember. I think it was, it was a movie. It was artistic. It was beautiful, but it was still true to the culture. I yeah. think. I think it was Nas or Diddy, one of these guys, and they was like, you know, a hype. He. He would do a video in the projects and make you think it was Rome. Like the way he put it together, it just looked so intriguing to people. And it was it's just incredible. like amazing. Like the cinematography of it, it was just like, yo, this is the most amazing place in the world. And it could be like the gutter. Yeah. He he I, I feel like he's the reason they made that that they used to have that show making a video on MTV. It was like because you had to see the behind the scenes of what he was actually doing to put out these masterpieces. Now we get like you know with the Kanye's and the Virgil and like artists, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was that's he's in that zone. So you know he came in one day and was like, oh, it, it built. It wasn't like, hey, kid, you're a genius, <laughs> right? So I know everyone watches. They got the hey, kid, you're a genius, but a lot of us don't. So building, building, relationship build. Finally, say start drawing storyboards. So now I'm not an intern anymore. I'm drawing storyboards. Now I'm getting paid. Now I can buy a little watch. Now I can buy a little clothes. You know what I'm saying? I was able to leave my uh, aunt's house. I got an apartment. Now I'm, well, you know, I'm sharing a room. So the storyboard is like the treatment for the video? No, the storyboard is drawing it out. It's part of the sales pitch or what we're going to shoot. Okay. So that goes... That goes it, helps, it helps people understand what it's going to be. That goes back to your... I'm thinking like pre, previous knowledge now. Like when you were doing comic books, this kind of prepared you for this moment. Completely. Hmm. It all comes together. Got right? you. Right? Before, like, you couldn't just get on a computer and whip up a treatment the way you get a pitch deck in a second. Yeah. To do something like a normal pitch deck that you get on the thing and get a PDF, you'd have to print it out. You'd have to, it would cost hundreds of dollars because mm. commercials did that. If mm. you did a, in those days, when you did a commercial treatment, you did the thing and then you printed it and sent it to the client. It would cost hundreds of dollars to do these things. Mm. So, and that's just the print that the writer, it was very expensive to do. But anyways, so back then a treatment was just a written document. You got a typed out page and you had to imagine it. So the, the treatment, for people that might not know, the treatment, correct me if I'm wrong, is like, is the step-by-step of what actually happens. Like, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I go to the, yeah. it's, like, it's like you're writing out play-by-play you're, what's going to visually be seen. It's, it's, right? the, it's the script. It's it's I feel like it's the script, yeah. Yeah, a script, but not really, not, a not with their, a visual script. A visual script. A visual script. I wrote you a treatment. To a degree, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, you're, you're making the client understand what the video I want to make for you is this. Yeah. Right? And whichever way you explain. So in those days, now a treatment has pictures and all this shit again with the technology. Back then you faxed them a printed out that was what you got. You got a paper with words on it in a fax machine. And then I came on, so now you got storyboards. You got pictures. Someone drew pictures. Oh, 
this is what it's going to be. And then uh, then you sometimes need the storyboards to explain to the crew, this is what we're doing. This is what happens there. You know what I mean? Big production, big movies, they storyboard out action scenes. It's like, this is just how production works. So I'm a storyboard artist, right? And I'm always with him. Now I'm, I'm with him going, you know, I'm with him when he's working on stuff, when he's color correct. I'm, I'm just with him, soaking up knowledge, soaking up knowledge, soaking up knowledge. Um, but when I used to run packages, I used to run, we used to work a lot with Def Jam. I used to run, I used to run packages for Def Jam, Rockefeller, and Bad Boy all the time. So there's people who know me as that I ran the package. And just, but that was the beauty of the music industry is that the interns become the so and so become that in that if you don't want to get paid, you don't want to, if you are like, I don't get paid, I'm not coming in. I mean, you could, everyone's on a different path. But in those days, the way you got in was saying, I'm working for free. Yeah. And now you're in and they see that you're good and then up you go, up you go, up you go, up you go. So again, a whole bunch of my friends that are still in the game, that are still working in the music video on the label side, do the hiring of the director. We're interns together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the story Puff and Andre Harrell. That's the story. Uh, we just spoke, I spoke to Shari Bryant, same thing. She was an intern at Rockefeller. Now Kenny, Kenny Burns. Kenny Burns. Yeah, they interned. And now she's the head of, uh, co-head of Rock Nation. And like you said, Kenny Burns. Intern, like people don't even, they don't really understand internships um, and the value of them and the value of, like you said, being able to work for free and then grind your way all the way up. It's just a thing. It's like a lost talent at this point. It is. In the film side, I get asked a lot still. But the way I get asked is is what I feel is lacking. But um, either way, so now... Uh, I've been running packages, I'm doing storyboards, everyone knows me as Heights Guy, and over at Def Jam, they have uh, Cormega. 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 Yeah, and I was coming back to Toronto and shooting videos. Okay. So that's another key. I've come back to Toronto, and again, back to your friends. People know you one way. So they knew me as the guy who drew and did poetry. And I come back like, hey, I'm directing now. I'm working with Hype Williams. They're like, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> this, is, this, this other guy's hot. And I was really, again, thinking in my younger mind, you know me, you should, because people know you don't mean they're going to do shit to you. Because they're your friends don't mean they're going to do shit. There ain't no, there ain't no reason for no one to do shit to you. You know what I'm saying? You're bitter and angry and how could they? And, uh, and again, <laughs> the way the universe works, if I had done work with them, I would have felt beholden to them. Because mm-hmm. my old loyalty thing, right, would have, what I was expecting for them, I would have done, you know what I mean? Hey, I know you, let me help save all that save all that so no one in my hometown wants to give me a shot cool i don't owe nobody nothing either and no one can say shit to me so uh finally someone gives me a break um i co-direct something with a guy and i make my first video then for my first video i go and talk to a couple of street men that are trying to do the management thing and they go and uh you know i gas them up and we do another they do i do one of their videos i got two videos Show those two videos that I did in Toronto to Steve Carr, who was one of the directors at Big Dog Films. He makes a call on my behalf. This is what you want to happen, right? He makes a call over a big label, says, oh, this kid's really talented. You should give him a joint. He gives me, so I get the uh, Tracy Lee, Buster Rhymes, Pirate MC uh, video, this remix song. So where did Kwame, where, where did Kwamega come into play? This comes later. This okay, comes later. So okay. I'm, I gotta back up a bit. So I do this video, Mark Pitts is for Five Storm Records. Yeah. Mark Pitts, again, just saw him on the side of Usher. Yeah. Everyone's Big manager, Usher manager. Usher's manager. So not that, not that everyone you meet is going to be around, but a hell of a lot of people you meet are going to be around. A lot of people. So Mark Pitts gives me this shot. They believe, and I shoot this video. It's a white background video, and man, I fucked it all up. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good enough to be like a video on TV, like no one, but it wasn't great. No one, no 
would watch that video and say, who did this? And I, I was devastated after I did it. I went home devastated. I fucked it up. I'm no, I did all this, and I'm going to be sucky. I'm going to be shitty, whatever. And I was able to call Hype and Alan Ferguson. Alan Ferguson was a DP. He makes a lot. And Hype is Hype. And Hype, uh, Hype gave me a big pep talk. Adam gave me a lot of technical stuff, which was helpful. But Hype gave me the pep talk that he goes, that feeling that you suck, you got to fight that. Feeling that you're not good enough, you need to fight that. Right? And then, you know, again, the philosophy of the music video, it needs to be about something. I didn't quite understand that at the time, but it needs to be about something. Okay. And then from that, I go to the bookstore and start, because before I was hanging with Hype and wasn't really studying, kind of like what I said about the editor when I wasn't prepared. And then, I, then the next time I said, okay, now I see the mistake. Let me go get it right. So I looked at it and said, okay, standing beside Hype is not, it's helpful, but that's not learning. And, the, you know, and you have that as a director. A bunch of your friends are like, they came and they see you doing it. They're like, I can do this. This looks easy. No, motherfucker, you can't. So what they say is that you're paying for my, you're paying for the 10,000 hours. You're not paying for my time. You're paying for the time it took me to do this like this. You know what I'm saying? You know that saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 10,000 yeah. hours. Yeah, so I, I had not studied. So in this depressed state, I go to the bookstore and buy books about filmmaking. Lights, this, I buy everything, hair, make, I buy everything, everything. Because the beauty of growing up, or, or um, yeah, growing up as a director around Hype is that he knew every department. So to me, that's what a director meant. You know every department. Hype would walk in and talk to the makeup, and then he'd talk to the hair and have detailed conversations with them. Then walk over here and talk to the art department, and then talk to the DP. And every single department, he's having intricate, knowledgeable conversations about their department. So I said, okay, that's what I need to do. So I got a book on hair and makeup. I got a book on life. I have all these books, and I start reading it and reading it and reading it. And then Cormega now is going to go do this little, back then you paid some money for a promo thing. So like, hey, Cormega wants to do this promo thing. We don't got a lot of money. X, you want to do it? Somehow I get it because, again, I have relationships with Def Jam. I've been running packages, and I directed a few things. I say, okay, it's pennies that they got. But I got this shot to shoot this thing for Cormega, and his idea was kind of whatever um, <laughs> with the relationship. But we were going to make a scene from uh, – we're. I, visually, I was going to make it. it was, he wanted to do the, the interrogation scene from Scarface. I wanted to look like the interrogation scene, scene from Clockers, if you remember that. Clockers. Oh, that's, that's your one, movie. One, one of the best movies that's ever. Your, that's one of his favorite movies. Ever, of all time. <laughs> remember that? When they're interrogated, everyone's kind of glowing, bright glowing. Yeah. Malik Saeed shot that. And again, Hype worked with Malik, so I had this relationship. I called Malik and said, how did you do that? And he gave me some pointers. So now I got technical knowledge. We got their scene. I'm going to shoot the... Cormega's scene, and the lesson is you give, do the client, give the client what they ask for, but make it yours. So I made it mine. So I shoot that scene, but I also did, all right, give me half a record, and I'm going to shoot, I'm, I'm going to shoot a little music video. So I got, I shoot his commercial, but then I shoot a little music video, and I gel it, and, and, and I'm now, as I'm doing it, I remember I looked at a light, go, scrim that light. I stop, I go, oh, fuck. I said that super technical thing, and I'm right. Hmm. The, all that I'm reading had seeped into my knowledge. A scrim for filmmakers, a scrim is a is a disc that so you have a light. A scrim goes in front of it to knock the light down. It's basically a dimmer. So don't have you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Turn lights on. So it's technical film shit. Scrim that light. And I go, oh fuck! It had seeped in. I finally understood it. And that then I finally made something I liked. I made something good. I had my knowledge. I was on my way. The the preparing. The studying, the opportunity, all the things, taking something that's given to me, making it something that I can work with. These were the beginning steps. 
of me really knowing and learning. So it's not just enough to be around. You, when you get hired, you got to do good work. You got to constantly working to improve. And that, and those were that was the knowledge base. So from there, I was constantly pulling references, studying this, studying that, studying other directors. So just this, it's a constant um, watch of the people you want to. Uh, achieve a level of success as or whatever it is that is your marker like that person I want to get to that level and working to reach that level yeah you you, you said that um I heard you say this before like a good director can see when a, a director has not made a good product right there, there are certain things that a good director will know uh visually when they look at a, at the product what are some of those things that you see right away it's like you know what they didn't take time to do this or it's lacking this what are, what are some of those things tell a story i can tell your visual uh, aesthetic your visual talent a lot of stuff i can tell just on the way they direct things um so as far as on the business side so the budget right this is something i was always interested especially i don't know what the budgets are now but that's a question but before that so when it was million dollar this is another thing that young people might not know um they used to be like million dollar movie videos yeah and they was like spinning like that was like the I think hype had like the first million dollar. Was it with Diddy on the on the um, mm -hmm. hypnotize? Was that hypnotize? That was a million dollar. I think Buster Rhymes might have been Buster like the Rhymes, first one. Yeah, but Diddy had the million dollar joint yeah. with the hypnotize and all that. So, where do budgets come from? Does that come out of the artist's um, pocket or are the label fronting it's, it's, that? That's when we get into the recoup thing. The infamous back when they sold CDs. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of fucked up. Record companies. They invest in you, but they want to do well. It is how it is. They invest, but they want the money back. They want their money back on the investors, but you are the investor. So you you don't see money till they get their money back. Mm. But of course, the way these big corporations do accounting is they never make money back. Like Star Wars, by the accountant, has never made money. <laughs> Star Wars. Star Wars has never made money. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You never get no. You don't get no matter how many records you sell. You just never seen. But you have to recoup it. So those million dollar budgets, that's your money essentially, right? Um, I mean, like if your shit flops, they're not gonna chase you down and like take your house and home. You know what I'm saying? Like make you work for the rest. They they take they bite the bullet if it doesn't work out. But if shit works out, they want their money back. Yeah. So at this time, are you are you feeling pressure to make sure that this product takes off, or are you just like you know what? I'm I'm gonna do my best work. No. Dave Myers, wow, I forgot that name. Yeah, yeah. See at the bottom of those screens, fat cats, and there's tons of people. So you were all in those battles together, and everyone kind of had like, you know, me and Chris Robinson was the that was the back and forth. Hype Williams and Paul Hunter, that was the back and forth. You know, everyone had their their back and forth that they did, and that's the competition. Because look, man, if you in those days, if you did a shitty video for a hit record, you you could live off that. You're gonna get a bunch more work. But eventually, people are going to see that your videos all suck and you're going to die off. The key is to do good work, even for bad songs. And then you, when you get a good song and you do good work, that boom, hit song, dope video, off. 
what I'm saying? So let me ask you this, because um, it's interesting as far as like making the, the comparison between music and movies. So the all right. So you hype Williams, you guys, at, you know, you have your own company, right? So if somebody wants to commission you. Diddy wants to commission you for a video, right? And it's a million dollar budget back then. Um, how does that work? They give you a million dollars, then you have to break it down and, and actually pay item by item and do it. Or so you're okay. So the way it works is, sorry, you right from the beginning. Um, let's say the average way. So you guys have a record together, and you're signed to a record label, and they're going to do a big, big record. We're going to pay a million dollars for a million dollars. They probably know who they are. But let's say they're bidding it. Normally you bid the job. So let's say they go to the top three. You're, they take your record and they send it to the top three directors in the game. We got a million dollars. We'll make the video. Y'all write on it. So the top three directors all write a treatment. Oh, you're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to brush your teeth. And then there's like two girls that come in. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Yeah. Don't forget the fireworks. So now you get, yeah, fireworks and girls and cars. So three treatments. You're going to read those treatments and you say, who's the director? Okay, Hype Williams, and he wants to do this. Uh, Paul Hunter, he wants to do that. So and so, so there's these things come in and you have to decide between the level of director and their idea. Is their idea or so, but either way, you finally pick one person. Okay, we want to do this treatment. That treatment has now become a contract. You said, I'm getting this. I'm going to wake up in the morning and there's girls and there's things and then a Ferrari and blah, 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 blah. That's a legally binding. Okay? And then you get your contract. In the contract, even in the contract, says we own up. This is a work for hire. Don't ask us for money later. We own this. We own this. Um, if they basically it says in there, like, if we discover a new galaxy, a new universe, and they like hip hop, don't ask us for money. Literally. Mm. That's the music That's the music, music industry contract. There's no situation in which you get fucked for more money. It's just, well, <laughs> whatever. You know, so you. And then they give you, like, they give you half the money, you do it, you get another bit, you finish it, and then they give you other bit, and, and, and that's how it goes. That is how a music video gets made. So now, all right, so we talked about the, the, the era of the million-dollar videos, but I'm interested to know this because it's like back then, I guess the goal was to be on BT or TRL or, or 106 and Park. Rap City. And now, you know, you know, I hate to reference the kid, but... It is what it is, you know, with the with this Takashi situation, and he has, you know, even before he got arrested with Gummo and all those videos, and they was like doing crazy numbers on YouTube. Now YouTube is the thing, right? Where it's like now you just the the goal is to get a hundred million views or fifty million mm-hmm. views on YouTube, and especially when he first came out, I don't know what director he was using, but I'm assuming it was just a neighborhood director, Bobby Schmurder, like cell phone, same thing, produce, right? Yep. So I'm, I'm assuming that that cut the budget for videos drastically because now you can make a video on your iPhone. It might not be the same quality, obviously. So my first question is what's the top budget now that uh, a record label would pay? And then the second question is what is the goal now for it? Has it switched to YouTube? Has it switched to getting clicks on social media? Like how has the times changed the business of actually producing videos? I mean, if you if now when you make a video, you make it, it goes out. Um, look, at the end of the day, yeah, Drake could make a video with his cell phone, but Drake ain't going to make a video with his cell phone. 
Drake wants a trailer. Drake wants drinks. Drake wants this. Drake wants that. He wants these people. Well, if you want to hire me, I work for these people. And this, so this, my life is with this. So yeah, I don't do cell phone videos. You feel me? Mm-hmm. When, when I pull up, I'm doing a production. There's trailers and there's trucks and there's lights and there's unions and there's food and there's rules and it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Taylor Swift wants a trailer and her makeup artist and her stylist and braver. They're not doing it with a cell phone. She wants to look great. She wants the, the fucking guy who just shot the L'Oreal commercial. That's the DC she wants to shoot her video. Well, guess what? He don't shoot on cell phones. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the, as much as the technology is great, that you can go and do something great and creative with you and your friends. But at the end of the day, the reality is the talent, you know, the cream rises to the top. And as it keeps on rising, so do the prices. Right? So if you want that work that looks great, maybe you got lucky and your homeboy around the way is the next, you know, me, the next hype, the next. He's going to, he's, you, you, uh, it just so happens your homeboy has a career in filmmaking and he's super talented and gives you something great. That's amazing, but that's a rarity. I've seen a lot of these videos, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of, of the of the Drake video, um, at the end of Life is Good, there's like a play on on on, on you know he's directing it and, and you're kind of working for him, and that's something that that you kind of stress as well the difference between working for the artist and working with the artist. You want you want to talk about that because I know you highlight that a lot. Yeah. Look, man, it's it's a bit of semantics, but it's good to understand. Yeah, we're working with one another. But in reality, you need to know who you're working for and who you're working with. It. You feel me? Yeah. Drake is working with Drake is working with me. I'm working for Drake. I'm making his product. I'm giving. I after I'm done, he takes it and goes away. You know what I'm saying? And yet, the, in a proper work, it's a banter. We go back and forth, and it is it is a collaborative thing. But there are people who do forget in these creative things they get so caught up in making it theirs they forget who hired they forget who they're working for yes we're collaborating but my art director isn't working with me he's collaborating with me but he's working for me so so just to double back so all right so even now today high six mid six figures is still a price target that major artists would pay for a music video still to this day. Like it hasn't dropped to the point where it's like $10,000, 15, like Drake is still paying his label, whoever. Look what these videos do. Look, look, life is good. That video, think for a moment, what would that song, what would have happened if that record was just, it was just like a video of cars and girls and stuff? Where would it have gone? You feel me? Yeah. As opposed to just a little bit of a concept, just a little bit of fun, because this is entertainment. It is the entertainment business. You've got you and your girls and the cars. Yeah, you're living your fantasy, but are you entertaining me? Are you putting work in? It's like going to a show and the guy's up there doing his fucking performing, and you're like, this guy ain't working. He's just kind of going through the motions. As opposed to someone who's, they're working. They're, and you're like, motherfucker, put us on a show. Entertaining me. The job is entertaining. So, yeah, no matter what money you spend, you better be trying to entertain people. That's the key, key, key. But at some point, entertaining people costs fucking money. So I got an idea. I'm in a garbage truck, and then I work in a fast food place. And I'm all right. Well, we got a patient. I got to rent that. If you want that big idea, you got to pay the big money. That's just the way it is. And there's certain artists that they, when you're generating millions of views, 200 million, 500 million views, you can afford it, and it's a good investment. 
Because you understand? That was a great investment on Future's part. It was a great investment on his part to make a video that big. So, uh, like I said, bro, it's it, there's 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 always going to be the top levels, and at the top level, again, Taylor Swift ain't doing a cell phone video with some kid around the way. So let me ask you this, because it's also the climate has changed to where, you know, it's um, a lot of independent artists, probably way more independent artists now than there than they were um, years ago in the 90s or 2000s. So from an independent, from an artist standpoint, right, independent artists, I'm not signed to a label. I'm trying to get my buzz out there. What advice would you get? They don't have a budget to pay you or, you know, somebody of your caliber, but they still want to, you know, they have good, good quality music and they want to put some visuals to it. Would you recommend the most talent, find the most talented friend or find the most talented person that can work in your budget? Look at the work and say, what I want, you know, look at, look at, look at their work and say, what I want my work to look this way. We do the best you can with the money you got and entertain. The key has got to be that are you entertaining? Is your video, video, are you trying to entertain? Are you putting your absolute most effort into entertain with the money that you got? Because these videos mean something. Back in, back in the day, Madonna. Lenny Kravitz, Janet Jackson, there's a certain caliber of director they worked with, a certain caliber, certain budget range. Like, it says something how you visually uh to the world. And then as you make more money, you should be investing into your advertising. It's not a mistake <clears throat> that the Super Bowl, you know, technically they can do it with their cell phone. But the competition is entertainment during the Super Bowl. You better be bringing it with your fucking commercial. Well, you better be bringing it with your fucking video. You're in the fuck. You're in show business. You're in the entertainment industry. That doesn't stop. There isn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got to put this effort in. And like I said, when you get when you can invest more money and it makes sense, because I have people come to me. You know, yo, I can handle that 100, bro. You know, I'm just, I need 200. I got that. Yeah, but here's the thing, bro. Usher doesn't reach in his pocket and hand me 200 thousand dollars. A record company said. I can make money with Usher. I'm putting up the 200 for the back end, how it comes back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's got to make sense. Like, it's not... What, what would happen a lot, there's almost like this secret industry of rich kids making music videos. Oh, yeah? Right? Every now and then, you, you know what I'm saying? Every now and then, just some kid dad is a billionaire, and he so he goes and so... Um, I did one. This kid... Uh, his manager was like this kid's manager this kid spent on this video spent more than Rick Ross had on one of his videos that I wrote you feel what I'm saying yeah like big money a big proper production with the trucks and the lights and the professional like it's a production and the manager is J-Lo's manager and like the, the, the dad had paid all these big game people so the best make the best everything but the key element in the middle was J-Lo doesn't pay everyone to manage her. J-Lo has fucking talent and everyone comes in because they see the potential. Then they invest and then they get it back. So people confuse the look for the, the oh, well, I got the same manager and I got the same hair and makeup. I got the same director. I got spending more money. It's going to be a hit. You don't, you don't got the talent. It's not the talent. So, the sauce is sold separately. Sauce is sold separately. Yeah. Exactly. So, just now, let's say you you got some money in your pocket and you can afford a big video. And a lot of artists, I see a lot of people hustling, thinking if I spend big money, I'll get I'll get the same results because I spent the same money. And it's no. 
you might have the money, but the level of artist you are, your amount of fans, what you're trying to build, it might make sense for you to make a $10,000 cell phone video. That, and do your best within that money to make a great piece of entertainment, you know what I'm saying? But just go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars when you don't have, when you don't have a fan base to, for that to make sense. There's, there's shit the way up. Now, you, you got your start interning with Hype. Um, I'm wondering now, are there people that have interned with you that are now out here just crushing it, like killing the game as far as the video yeah. production? Karina, Karina Evans. Karina directed God's Plan. Karina directed Nice for What. Karina directing episodes of TV shows now. She's, you know, she's a 23-year-old light-skinned black girl right at the time that everyone was like, we need more women and more women of color. And then she did God's Plan. Video, video of the year. God's plan was a, that, was, that was a tough video. Yeah, video that of the year. Tough. That was tough. Nice for what was up there too. That was tough. The credits on God's plan is, little, is director X presents a Karina Evans film. That's tough. Toronto, Con- Toronto connections. That's tough. So let me ask you this, because um, talking about that, um, and it, you would seem like making a four minute music video is is a lot different than making a movie, right? So. How? What's the difference between the movie side of things? Because you you've done, you have movies under your belt as well. Um, being a director for a movie, as opposed to being a director for a music video. The amount of days you shoot a music video of one, two, maybe three days, you will be over 30, 40 days, fifty, maybe a hundred, depending on the type of movie. But on average, like 30, 30 to forty days for a proper Hollywood production. That's it. What's the pol- like politics though? Because all right, so in like music video, it's like okay, Drake wants you, Rihanna. Especially now, you got your name; they they can kind of demand it. I would assume on the Hollywood side, it's harder, especially for like new, like if you're trying to be do the independent, trying to get funding, and it just seems like that from the outside. It's more politics well, yeah, it's involved. Yeah, because the investment is so big. Yeah, but look, here's here's the thing that a director needs to understand. The Oscar for Best Picture goes to the producer of the movie. You understand? Not the director. Mm. So what's the difference? What's what's the difference between the producer of the movie and the director of the movie? The producer is the one who puts the deal together. The producer is the one who can hire who hires the people. The producer can fire you. Right. So the producer can fire the director. Oh yeah. I felt like they did that with Star Wars, correct? The, it, but a, you know, no, the the later the the later ones. I think um, they try to have somebody else do it, or maybe somebody oh, yeah, 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 somebody yeah, else yeah, did yeah, it, and yeah, then J.J. Abrams yeah, came back and took over. Yeah, it's, it's the producers that are hired. The producer brings it all together. So can you can you can you kind of go over the hierarchy in in, in, in movies? It's like it's the producer, it's the director, the casting director. Like, what's the different roles that are on a movie set? Well, let's say you have, let's say like Superfly. You have a studio, then you have a production company, and then you have the director. So Superfly, the producer, uh, Joel Silver, he made The Matrix. Yeah. His company talks to my agent. We have this script for Superfly. My agent says, you should have Director X look at it. I read their script. I thought it was irresponsibly violent, and I told him I didn't want to do it. One, it was irresponsibly violent, and two, it wasn't Superfly. In this version, there, the first version of Superfly that I was sent, he wasn't trying to get out. He was just like all in, just. He was trying to get in deeper. I'm <laughs> so I'm like, and then like I said, he was irresponsible. Like they're having shootouts a 
Miami Beach. <laughs> and then, and like, and then, and not even, I, I get them like, yo, this is why black kids get in shootouts in shopping malls. Because movies like this never have consequences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're just having shootouts and shot. They're just shooting out on Miami Beach and they never say, like, yo, better lay low. Not even that. <laughs> just all of it. Like, I'm like, are there no video cameras? Are there, there's no surveillance cameras in your world? Are there no police? That's interesting that what Joe, Joe Siegel? No, it's Joe Silver. Joe Silver? Yeah, Matrix. Well, it's, uh, it's extremely interesting to me that why he wants to do a remake of Superfly. Because he loves Black Sport. He loved those eras. The Black Sportation? <laughs> well, but so, so now, okay, so then I find out what, what had happened was that the script they sent me wasn't actually Superfly, but they got the rights to Superfly, so they just put the name and, put the, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not one, there's the, the, the level of violence doing that. Two, this isn't Superfly. They called me back and said, we want to make the movie you want to make. I said, all right, well, we're making Superfly. So if you watch the old Superfly and my Superfly, it's Superfly. It's all the same characters are back. It's the same story. We move and twist some things around, but the things we move and twist around are still respectful of the original. I treated it like Hood Shakespeare. Because mm. right? I, I got hired to remake Superfly, so I'm going to remake it. Right? And then what we did on the violence side is that we made it a little cartoon. You know, the bad guys were white. They have white guns. It's 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 an action. It's a Joel Silver action movie. A wit. It's Fast and Furious, and we deserve to have mindless, stupid movies. You feel what I'm saying? Like, no one watches John Wick and is like, "Oh my God, what, what message does this send to the youth and the Russian American community? Yeah. How dare they? Like, like, it's just the nigga can beat up everybody, and <laughs> bad guys are fucking bad. And it's not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's." It's this imaginary world. Well, Superfly, yeah, it's, it's drugs. In the same way Fast and Furious does heists. You feel me? There, there's, there's, no, there's no good advice for a drug dealer in Superfly. <laughs> <laughs> no underlining, no underlining. That's a good idea. No one's going to got something right there. <laughs> Instead, things became symbolic. So what... what, what what Soul Patrol was was a symbol. Was they are symbolic of flashy drug dealers. You know what I'm saying? You live in Cleveland and you ain't got a job, but you got a fucking break. You might as well be wearing all white all the time. With all, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I remember there was like on Instagram, there's one page I haven't seen them in a while. You mad? I guess what happened? They're like the Coke Import Boys was the name of their crew. Like the Import Boys. I'm like, really? Pure sports cars, the import boys. I'm like, yo, why don't you just drive yourself to jail? (laughs) That that was what Snow Patrol represented. But again, he does kung fu and his hair is straight. I didn't want kids to look at Superfly and see their world. That looks like my life. That looks like my world. And then the subconscious brain starts going. You know, like the wrong movie gets hot in the hood. The hood gets hot. Like Scarface. Yeah. Changed the whole, changed everything. The Sco- Wire. The Wire, yeah. The Wire, I remember when The Wire was popping, that, you know, it was inspirational to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to do that. So ours is a fun, dumb, it's, and it's, again, it's a Joel Silver action movie, right? Yeah. He doesn't have the social conscious that we have. You try here and there, but he wants to make a fun movie because he doesn't have a social conscious when he made Predator. He wasn't putting the weight of the world on his back when he made The Matrix. He was, people kick them, kick people in the face and beat up the bad guys and it's fun. Superfly is fun as fuck. It's a great, enjoyable movie. It's really a movie for teenage boys. 15-year-old you seeing Superfly, do you imagine how your brain would fry? <laughs> the girls in the street, 
posting it. Like, it's a great time for that, and that's what that is. But again, the politics of that is I'm directing a Joel Silver picture. Joel Silver isn't producing a director X film, if that makes sense. The same thing. I'm working full. Right, you're working for him. Joel is working with me. Yeah. That's important for people to understand because it's like a lot of times they don't understand. They think like a director, especially a movie director, it's like they have full rights over everything in it. And it's like they're 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 like a quarterback. You got the chair. But you still got a coach that can kind of push in and, and make exactly. different things. Exactly. And so it's like. It's, you got a team owner. You got a team owner who can come down and say, yo. Exactly. It's, 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 a, whole, it's a whole situation. Yeah. Definitely. I, I I got a question as just as a fan of music and, and as, of movies as well. Like we always in our heads, we hear a song, and we're like, "Damn!" Like we kind of picture the videos in our head of how it should go. Has there ever been a a video or a song that you were like, "Damn, I wish I had the opportunity to make that"? Some of them, more so. There's like songs that they didn't pick me, and then they chose someone else, and the video was horrible. I'm like, "Man, I would have gave you the fucking," <laughs> you know what I'm saying? would have given you the <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you this um toronto once again shout out to toronto toronto not only has a crazy music scene right now with tory lanes drake the weekend a bunch of people and yep. they, they just won the nba championship two years ago right last year last year yeah um but a little known fact toronto has a very big movie industry mm-hmm. very big movie industry in toronto uh, um What's the scene right now in Toronto as far... Well, obviously now COVID, everything is shut down. But for up-and-coming entrepreneurs, speaking specifically for people in Toronto right now, are there opportunities um, in the music... I mean, in the um, the movie industry? Or is that kind of who you know, Hollywood type of vibe? It's very... Look, it's, it's how you get in. It's very... Look, this is... It's hard to get in, but you got to find your way in. The same way... And everyone gets in a different way. Maybe you know someone. Maybe you... You gotta find your way in. This is the film industry. There's just there's not an office you can walk up to, but you have the internet. I found hype with a magazine and mail and a phone. Fucking determination. So you have the motherfucking internet. If you can't figure this shit out, you're not gonna survive on set. I gotta be very real with you. This is not a pay do it for me business. This is figure the shit. It's figure it out. Because when I go to work. There is literally a stopwatch with thousands, tens of thousands of dollars connected to it. And if I go past this line, then it starts to stack and then double and then triple. And then there's penalty. There's, there's police that come along and say, move this truck and turn it. Like, it is high levels of responsibility and, on your feet and getting shit done. You feel me? Yeah, so you, if you can't figure out how to get in, you're not going to know how to fucking maneuver it. So you get a timeline on, on, on your production, and if you don't meet that timeline, there, there's fees that you have to pay out of your pocket? Well, the production does. But again, if the production has to pay, if, if, if my call time is at 8, and we said we are going to be packed up and driving away, at 8 a.m. we're going to show up, and at 8 p.m. we're going to be done. But then 8 p.m. comes around, and not only am I not packing my trucks, I'm nowhere near to packing my trucks. I need two more hours. Those two more hours, well, we made a deal that now I'm going into overtime. Okay. Overtime lasts this long. But what if I need more time past the overtime? Well, now I can go to double overtime. I go to triple overtime. Then I get a meal penalty. Well, everyone's supposed to eat now. I can't stop to eat because we're almost done. Okay, well, if we're not going to eat, I get a, we get meal. Now everyone gets more money. Mm. You feel what I'm saying? Yep, yep. This is how this shit works. It's, it, it, there's consequences. 
So again, if you can't figure out how to get into the film industry, you're not going to survive in the film industry. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I wish I could tell you there's some way, but you've got to figure this out. This part of getting in, this is, um, did, you, did you ever in school, in grade school, do the incubate eggs and then you see like a chick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anything like that? Yep. Okay. And do you remember the teacher said, don't help them out of the egg? Right. If, if a chick can't make it out of the egg, it can't make it out of the egg. If you help it out, there's a double. If it's not strong enough to get made, it can't make it out, and it wouldn't be. If you help it out, and it wasn't strong enough to make it out, it wouldn't be strong enough to live. And then if you help it out, if it was strong enough to make it out, but you helped it out, it didn't develop the strength it needed to live, and it's going to die as well. So there's no scenario that you helping that chick out of the egg that is good for the chick. Now, I'm glad you said that, because I said that on Instagram a few weeks ago. Like Sometimes you can actually hurt somebody by trying to help them. Sometimes it's like you, you, you're enabling people and you're helping them. You, you're actually hurting them because they're, you're, they're skipping vital steps that are needed. Like you're taking them from point A to point Z. But by doing that, they're skipping that journey. Yeah. And once you leave them by themselves, they won't survive. Yeah. It's the, the, it's the egg analogy. It's the one to use. It's the one for these kids. If I help you, if you're good enough to do this, you can do it on your own. And if you're good enough to do this and I help you, I'm going to hurt you. You're not, you, the, that, like you said, those steps you're going to miss. The egg analogy is the best analogy, which is like I don't like saying too much about what I would do. You know, I can tell you my story about what I did. Yeah. And you figure it out now. No, I respect that. I respect that because it's like everybody's journey is different. And your journey that you that you did 20 years ago is completely different than somebody that's going to do it right now in 2020. You've got you to get out of the egg on your own. Once you're out of the egg and I see you on set, well, now we're in a different conversation. You made it here. You're good enough to be here. You you're in the lead. Now, now there's a thing going on. You know what I mean? But till then, that, that they know it's just handing you shit, and you shouldn't want it. It's not going to uh, I get the dream, bro. I, I, I was young. I remember when I was dropping a package off the puff, and I had my tape. <laughs> hey, uh, can I show you something? <laughs> yeah. And he looked, now I had like this video opera, and like this shot it on film. Like I'd come up. It wasn't my old little, you know what I'm saying? It was some artsy fartsy cool kid shit. And you looked at it. What's your name? Little X. Cool. <laughs> Later on in the future, we worked together and did kinds of wood. All I've done all kinds of stuff with Puff, and you know what I'm saying? He's a great inspirational guy. Again, relationships that you have 20 years later. You know what I'm saying? 20 years later, still know the guy. But he didn't see my work. He said, oh my God, oh, it's this. It's this, this, this. Like, I, I, and of course I want that. Who wouldn't want to be fucking treated like a genius? But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes the guy will, cool. And later, you don't know how this is all going to work out. But following your interests, following your passion, and studying your craft. Also now, like, also now, I still watch, especially on YouTube. YouTube, if you want it to be, is a film school now. Yeah. There's people who do very in-depth, especially now that I deal in story. For me, the new level is story structure, character development, the, 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 the things that make you want to watch a show past the visual. And I study it, and I study it, and I study it. And YouTube has tons of great people that have really insightful ideas about this. And then I also read the books about it. And I do my homework. This time in quarantine, I've been studying my craft. If I'm bored, I can watch these videos about my craft. So following your interests, studying your craft, hustling, you know what I mean? And just and, and doing that work. So then you're ready. When that moment happens, then you're ready. 
but uh and, and that's that and that's that's information I can give you as far as like how I would use Google I'm not telling you how I, I'm already shit if you ain't if you had had it figured out that you should have your shit on your phone <laughs> so what, what's what's next what's next for you as far as like are, are, are you moving more into the movies or Netflix streaming like music um, sitcoms TV yeah, series where, where, do you, where do you see your own personal uh, yeah, uh, look I'm, I'm working on you know all the stuff I'm, I'm a director now in all the categories right so there's movie stuff there's goals and conversations and TV there's goals and conversations and music videos goals and conversations commercials goals and conversations right um, so all this stuff is going on what I'm really happy about is that on the commercial side, I did a short film for Pierre Moss, you know, the clothing Oh, yeah, yeah. We oh, went, yeah, that's, um... Uh, we went to his fashion show yeah, in, what, in Brooklyn. What's, what's his name? Uh, Kirby. Kirby, Kirby, yeah. yeah. One of well, our yeah. Good, shout out to Valencia. We went to his fashion show. Amazing fashion show. BK, yeah. Amazing fashion show. Yeah. You know, so I wrote and directed a short film for him. Technically, it's a fashion film. And here we go. Yeah. This was a low-budget project. This was a low-budget project. Okay, we had nowhere near the kind of money, but... Here to entertain. Here is the passion. The studying of story structure. The 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 Kirby and I are really working together. Working together. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, technically I'm still working for him. Though the money's not the thing that makes it, it's his thing. You feel me? Yeah. But we're collaborating, doing this thing together, and, we, and, and it's the and that was really one of the best client uh, director that experience was really the people working together to make something better. Always, no one gets that's mine. And now I get to do, like sometimes yeah. you get people that want to force their decision as opposed to going with the best decision. That's dope because like, wasn't like that. I I just saw him with director credits. He just did Wale's new video. He just Wale. <laughs> so we make this we make this thing. Now look, it, it's not it's called Seven Mothers. You should check it. It's also on my page, but Pierre Moss Seven Mothers and. I, people cry when they watch this thing all the time, constantly. Right? It's a it's a story about Kirby. Uh, his mother died when he was seven, and these uh, well seven or eight, but then uh, uh, these seven women raised him. And it's a story about family and and but based in black culture and the church. And I had something I wanted to say. It's something I show students because the story structure is textbook story structure, like I'm saying. So all these things, and we make this very low budget thing, and then when award season comes, because in commercials it's big on awards, awards a big part of commercials, and we're getting nominated for really prestigious awards. We're winning prestigious awards. Our we're that our little low budget short film is nominated inside Apple and Spotify and Tinder, like big over the top, big budget projects. And here's this one little fashion film that we did for probably a third of the money. But the philosophy, all the things we're trying to do, you know, entertain. Um, and entertain people doesn't always mean it's fucking a fucking show and you feel great. Sometimes entertainment is breaking your heart and making you think about someone you love and think about how uh, a spirit can still speak to you from beyond the grave and how the universe brings things together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That can still be entertainment really tugging on your heartstrings so we're there to entertain we're here to do that work and all that studying and it ain't easy to go being nominated beside an apple project or christian dior or you know tom ford or these ain't little brands these ain't little things but 
with the right philosophy, with the right approach, with the right art, with the right collaboration, with all these things going the right way, your little project can make big waves. And so that is something as of, you know, with Superfly and the TV shows, like I've got a lot going on, man. I'm a, I'm a working director. But it's projects like that that really mean something, really mean something uh, heartfelt. And then the payoff, the payoff isn't in the pay, and we weren't calculating it. We weren't making like, ah, then we win the awards. And then we, no, we just made it. And then the return was that. So, so before we wrap it up, I wanted to talk. Uh, I know Troy had questions about the. the um, yeah, yeah, because uh, some of the things you're doing now, man, um, I, I thought were just amazing. Um, Operation Prefrontal Cortex. I know that's something that that you're very passionate about and studying uh, the brain studies. And you know, there there were some events that happened in your life that kind of triggered it as well. And I, I heard that there's work that you're doing in prisons and you want to uh, incorporate in schools. And that's something that I've seen in my school in my district for sure. Is like. Uh, we have like this meditation thing. We we call it the mindfulness room, and um, ho- ho- hopefully it becomes something that that gets picked up by other school districts because it is helpful um, for kids. I-, I wanted you to talk about your experience with that. I mean, look, um, George Floyd. His, I think it might be his last video was him talking about the violence in our community, and yeah, we we have a beef with the police. The whole world has. You can see the police are out of control, but we got something else. Our young men are killing each other every go. Toronto is on fire with the with the gun violence, and they don't care. Literally, the last shoot, the day that George Floyd was killed, uh, a twenty year old, twenty one year old named Houdini got killed out here. When you see the security footage, when they start shooting at each other, there's a six year old standing in between them. Downtown Toronto in the middle of the day. You feel me? Yeah. And. It's that fucking serious. But we've done police. We've done we've done all the programs. And I was shot myself in my back. The bullet went through two people and hit me. Luckily, a shift in my body weight might have been the difference between a whole other kind of life of regular hospital visits and what happened to me. They cut it out and I walked out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I started... I started pulling together. I'm science-minded, we could say. I'm interested in science. And I remember I'm reading something one day, and I come across some, some, something in some science journal, and say, oh, uh, the criminal mind isn't like the normal brain. The criminal brain and the normal brain aren't the same. And I read it, and it says, the prefrontal cortex is smaller. That's decision-making. And the amygdala is bigger, and that's emotional control. So, okay, with it. And then I'm reading something else, and it says something about... Uh, children who are abused and something happens to their brain and the prefrontal cortex is small and then i read something else and it's meditation changes your brain and makes your prefrontal cortex bigger and it makes your amygdala smaller and hold on that's the opposite of the violent brain and i start and i gather these studies together and it's very very clear childhood abuse and neglect change how the brain develops children who are abused and neglected their prefrontal cortex is too small their amygdala is too large chronic stress changes the brain People who are, are, are stressed out, their prefrontal cortex shrinks. Their amygdala gets big. Violent and aggressive people, their brain has distinct differences in the average person. Their prefrontal cortex is too small. Their amygdala is too big. Obvious connection. And the, the prefrontal right. cortex is the part that, that decides decision-making, right? Yes, and the, amyg- and the amygdala is the part of the brain that Emotion. regulates emotion. Emotions. Emotions. Uh, yeah. And it's also the part of the brain that decides fight or flight. Mm-hmm. 
So this is when people when people pe- people are people are making decisions based off of emotion and not rational decisions. If they have, it, you, 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 it's, it, it's very interesting. Part of the real decision making, you, the, the brain filters it. But um, your amygdala decides if we're gonna, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna run away or I'm gonna hit that you know that blackout moment and you just react. Yeah. Because not only does the amygdala make the decision, it also can turn off your prefrontal cortex. So literally, you're not making a decision. Right. So this is what's happening. And then if you are constantly stressed. Say you live in a bad neighborhood or you have a dangerous job who says we live in danger all the time we don't got time to shit to figure out sh- figure shit out we going to fight or we're either going to run or we're going to fucking fight it locks it in the hippocampus is learning in memory the amygdala will lock in your fight or flight response so you just fight it you feel me so there you go but meditation does the opposite it gives volume to your prefrontal cortex and shrinks your amygdala and gives volume to your hippocampus all the parts of the brain when you meditate, the parts of your brain that should be big get big. The parts of your brain that should be small get small. Like working out. You work out all the time. The muscles that should get, you know, the muscles get big, the waist gets small, the stomach gets small. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, the, it's the beauty of exercising. This is exercising your brain. Okay? And you do it through meditation. When you meditate, then when you bring meditation, like in the schools, violent schools, everything changes. The suspension stops. The violence stops. The grades go up. The physicality all the time, high, you know, um, maximum security prisons, the, the most violent prison in Mexico, they start meditating, the violence goes down, their awareness rises up, all these great things, even with officers, police officers meditate, they de-escalate more, they don't, they're not as violent, this is the key to reducing the violence in our, in our community, um, in general, in our cities, we, so our plan, because you know, Operation Prefrontal Cortex, our mission is to reduce violence, gun violence, mass violence, police violence with meditation. We need to be in our schools. Our schools saves our next generation, right? We've got a school, we got a, the worst hood in the world, they start meditating, that school's gonna change. We've changed the generation once those kids have those tools. Because once we get past the, the idea or past the fact that they're, that the, the shape of their brain no longer is susceptible to violence and aggression, then we start getting into better use of existing knowledge, better memory, better friendships, better social skills, better physicality. They start becoming better, fuller, happier human beings from the meditation. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we need to get it into our community groups, into communities that are affected by violence. Not every, we all know this. The whole hood isn't full of fucking gunmen, but you grew up around it. Shit's dangerous. You've lost friends. You've been too many close calls, you know, shit like this. You've lost friends. as this. There's a lot of trauma living in these neighborhoods mm-hmm. because of the violence. Meditation can help you with this. So we need the community groups. We need the correctional system. And that is, you know, we need to be in those prisons helping these guys figure this shit out so they can actually come out of jail and live a good life. Everyone's supposed to be able to live a good life. That's the dream, right? Not just being rich and following, but that you live a fulfilling life. That you, you know? Um, and then there is Streets, which needs another program. It's a mentorship called program called Advanced Peace to bring that in. It's a, it's a very – if you go to advancedpeace.org, you'll see a very effective program, mentorship program, to reduce violence that will save money drastically from city budgets because of the cost of shootings. It's a million dollars a shooting. Yeah. Right? Um, and then we need to get our police meditating. We need police need to meditate beyond forget the the bad cops forget the white supremacists and that's one we didn't really touch on but white supremacists have infiltrated uh law enforcement worldwide that's the fbi says that not just me it's not a conspiracy that's what the fbi found 
So um, let's not let's put that to the side. Let's talk about cops who actually, you know, they joined because they wanted to do something good. Well, the stress of the job is making them, is changing their brain, shrinking their prefrontal cortex. It's enlarging their amygdala. It's locking in their fight or flight response. It's making them more aggressive. It's making them more violent. I can tell you, man, when you have a job where it is dealing with people who have been traumatized, you, you take, it's a heavy weight. I do a day of meetings with, you know, the mother that lost her son, the guy who lost people that are really into living the life. It's crushing. It's hard. It's heavy. And that's a day of meetings. Let alone being a social worker and your job is to like get off the phone with the girl who's the beaut and then get, they go no funk. Like at some point the brain says, I can't care anymore. I can't take this weight. Mm-hmm. Meditation can relieve that. But again, being a police officer, we, cops go through some shit, man. They go through some shit and the brain reacts to that. So it's just dangerous out here. We ain't got time to be nice to people. Meditation can relieve that. It can get their brain back to a function. They become better police officers with that. So this is a this is how we make big, big changes. This is how we, at least in our community, as we have to deal with systemic racism, as we have to deal with uh, everything the system throws at us, meditation can give us the ability to deal with the system, to navigate it better, right? And then hopefully do the work to undo the way the game is rigged against us. But right now, we've been doing it the other way. We've been trying to un- unrig the system, and we've got to do us first. Because we don't we don't know. We don't know. You see what's happening with the system. The whole shit is fucking wobbling. This, this, this shit looks shaky right now. So it's how you do it. How are you going to handle yourself in chaos? This is what meditation can help us do. Yeah, I'm a big believer in meditation as well um and a lot of times people have the misconception about meditation because they think that it's um you gotta like sit indian style i mean that's one part of it but like for me like every morning before i get up i I just lay in bed still for about 20 minutes sometimes even up to an hour and i just think and it's like the best feeling in the world to actually like visualize think and it's like you know it starts my day off a lot better than if I had to get up and just rush and just throw clothes on and run out the house, which most people that's their that's their that's their daily routine. And it's like you're already starting your day off on a whole different yeah. frequency. So I I know firsthand the um, benefits of of all of that as far as you know just um, you know thinking about things and putting things in the universe and meditating and visualizing and all of these things are extremely important. Yeah. And um, a lot of times we don't really take it serious. We kind of think like, you know, we have a lot of ignorant beliefs and superstitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I saw you, you know, and that's that. That's, it's, I struggle like being still and not having a thousand thoughts going. I saw that you use you use music uh, as one of the, the key factors to help you do that. And I saw like when you did it through speakers, you, you, your brain waves were at like eighteen percent, but when you had headphones in, you saw a drastic difference. Um, which is key. Like I, I was like, you know what? I, I gotta try that. I have to go. Yeah. I, I didn't try it yet. I said I have to try it. You do, we do. When you have the headphones on, you find the right music. It just becomes very encompassing, you know. And then um, not every meditation. I have guided meditations on my page. You should check out. And uh, that is the tech. The meditation technique I use is a lot of visualization. And as you, as you 
as you calm your, you go through your body, you relax your body, you relax your mind, and then when you get really relaxed, then you begin to visualize goals. And um, it's very helpful. It's very helpful. It's good to, you know, it's a good place to be visualizing where you want to be in your mind in this calm state. And you can see the life you're trying to build for yourself. And then, you know, we can have a debate whether the, the vision actually, you know, the law of attraction, or, 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 or is it, you know, or does it just help you see what you want and know what you want? You know what I'm saying? No matter how you cut it, it's a good place to be, and it helps you as you go to execute. Director X, man. A visionary in more ways than one. That's a fact. <laughs> it's been a pleasure, bro. Um, yeah, man. Glad we got a chance to do this. Hopefully, we can connect in person sometime. Um, yeah, we definitely got to come to Toronto yeah. once this whole thing is over. The king of um, Toronto is opening his doors <laughs> for us, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to hey, everybody. Ready, Let's get it. Nah, for sure. Anything that you want to uh, make the people aware of? Um, anything you got going on? Initiatives? Anything like that? Uh, yeah, so Operation Prefrontal Cortex, our website is, you know, op-pfc.com, and our Instagram page is at op.pfc. Uh, give us a follow, you know, start meditating itself. If you don't know how to meditate, Google it. Go to YouTube and search guided meditation. Uh, Google how to meditate. Download an app like Headspace or Calm. There's lots of ways to learn about meditating. And again, bro. With all this technology around you, if you don't know how to, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you, got, if you want to do something, you, you can learn how to do it all on your own nowadays. So use that, use the power in your hands and, and learn that life will just become better the more you do it. That's a fact. Troy, housekeeping items? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program, where we have five different tiers. Each tier gives you a different thing, where you, whether it be uh, discounts on our merch or access to our university, EYL University, our biggest and the biggest uh, community for financial literacy and entrepreneurism. Uh, we, it's been going crazy. Like I said, every week we provide more content. There's over 70 different webinars that you can learn from and share. Um, and shout out to everybody in our private real estate group. It's been amazing, man. We, we're right now in the midst of reading the 12-week year, and that's been going crazy. So shout out to everybody that's been part of that. Yeah, and shout out, once again, shout out to Canada. We're coming to Canada. We're going to do a networking event. We're going to do a podcast and a workshop as soon as we get the clearance. And we're not going to do the Christopher Columbus thing. We're going (laughs) to bring people from Canada that can actually talk about, you know, real estate from a Canadian perspective and all of that. We're not just going to, you know, force our our American ways (laughs) on on people. But, um, yeah, man, um, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.